promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never failed me yet. You know, we sing about the faithfulness of God, about his promises, and I think oftentimes we forget what we're singing. And so I just jotted down a couple things that every day we experience from the love of God. So God promises peace when we pray to him. He promises salvation through his son when we ask for it. Who the son sets free is free indeed. He promises comfort in our trials. He promises that his love will never fail. In 2 Timothy, it says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he can't deny himself because that's just who he is. And so we'll sing of his faithfulness, of his love. Is my God. 
darkness still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness Still in your hands This is my confidence You never fail Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your circumstances in your life your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness still in your hands this is my confidence praise your name knowing that you've never failed this yet but that you also never will that our faithfulness to you and your faithfulness to us isn't contingent upon what we do back and so Father may that ever be in our minds that whatever the object is I've seen it move before or I believe that it will be. God, we love you. And thank you for your son. Amen. Well, good morning, Crossroads. Wow, can we just, can we just give God a hand for that time? That was awesome. So we just want to say uh, good morning. And if you pass the friendship folders, let us know you're here. We appreciate that. If you are new with us this morning and we're thankful for you and would you please just do one thing for me is just uh, sign the friendship folders and, and if you want we'd love if you stop by the next steps area the welcome center because the beauty of that is just hey this is my story or hey I'm brand new I have questions or it could just be uh, I want information or you know hey I'm so and so whatever that looks like for you we just love if you'd stop by I think it would be awesome um, we have a lot of things coming up and we are super super excited just to highlight a lot. And I just want to say, just take a minute, just talk about something that Zach just mentioned. A lot of us are standing kind of at that foot of the mountain right now. And I don't know what your mountain looks like right now, but I know that in the foot, at the foot of the mountain, it's easy to look up and be blown away by how big it is. And so my encouragement to you, as you look at that mountain, would you not be blown away by how big the mountain is, but as we stand at the foot of the mountain, be drawn to the foot of the cross. Amen. Because that's where that transformation and breakthrough is going to happen. It may not be what it looks like in your mind, but God is faithful who, for who, that's just who he is. And so faithfulness a lot of times looks like a certain thing for us, but God's faithfulness is day in and day out, no matter if we're faithful or not. So I just want to encourage you on that. We're excited about how God's going to move. 
uh, this morning. And uh, so I just want to show you a quick video. We have something coming up on August 9th through the 10th called the Global Leadership Summit. Just quick check out this video. This is going to be a live conference. It's going to be streamed live from Chicago at a church called Willow Creek Community Church. And there's going to be a big center screen here in the auditorium. And there's going to be round tables with business leaders, nonprofit leaders, church leaders, and people that just want to grow in their leadership. Uh, what's exciting about this is there's opportunities to network, opportunities to connect with other people as well. The point of this conference is completely anchored in the gospel. We are unapologetically Christ-centered in this conference. So we're going to talk about ways to grow in leadership. Most importantly, we're going to be drawn back to the person of Jesus Christ. And so if you have any questions about this, please email us, call us. Um, there's more information available at the Next Steps Welcome Center area. Um, come find me. I'd love to talk about it. Leadership is a huge passion of mine. And uh, I think when the leader gets better, everybody gets better. Um, so please, uh, there's a huge discount for our church too. Second thing is on August 5th, there's more information in your bulletin. On August 5th, there is going to be a church picnic at Elm Grove Park in Peters Township. And what's exciting about this is food, fun, fellowship. Uh, there's going to be a cornhole tournament as well as a baseball game, right? Yeah, it's good. You can clap for that. It's okay. <laughs> Some of you. So we're excited. We've got the defending champions from cornhole last year trying to reclaim their victory this year. So we'll see how that goes. We're excited to, as our church grows. It's important that we make it a point to get together and, and still, you know, just see who's coming and interact with each other. So we're super excited about that. More information in your bulletin. As the ushers come forward for our morning offering, uh, our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's Jesus at the end of the day is who we talk about, who we worship, who we follow, and what we're excited to talk to other people about. And so that's what we're about here. And so we're excited to see how God's going to move this morning. You guys excited? Come on now. All right, let's pray. God, we love you, and we just acknowledge you, Jesus, as the number one priority. And God, as we think about the mountain right now that's in front of us, and, and the mountain for some of us might be a financial burden. It could be situations with our kids. It could be, it could be our marriage. It could be, God, uh, just sickness and, and physical uh, issues in our family. God, people uh, just in the hospital. Uh, God, so many different things. And I pray that we would just put those on the table that we would acknowledge our mountain before you. That we would say, God, here's my mountain. And as we stand at that mountain, will we not be blown away by how big the mountain is? But God, your promise says that when we come to you, you promise us peace. And so as we look at our mountain now, just thinking about it, struggling with it, maybe we came in this morning with it, maybe we fought in the car about it. God, will we be blown away by you, that you are close, that you are near, that you are powerful. So as we stand at the foot of our mountain, would we, would we be drawn to the foot of the cross? And by going to the cross, would we be blown away by who you are? 
So God, we, we love you and we are so passionate and so excited to see people's lives changed by Jesus Christ because we know that changed lives change lives. And so we are changed here and we want to see more people's lives changed by Jesus Christ. So we give now to see more people changed by Jesus Christ. That's why we give. That's why we sing. That's why we are excited. It's because you are alive and you are always on the move. So God, would you move in our hearts now in only the way that you can move? And we know your promise still stands and we believe you're gonna do it again. And we're so excited to see how you're gonna move. We just love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for finding us, saving us, rescuing us, and giving us a purpose only because of your work on the cross. I ask all these things in his name, amen. This morning as we receive our morning offering, I'd just like to take a few moments and introduce you to our new youth pastor, uh, Zach, uh, Zach. I did that the first service. Zach is our That's worship twice, pastor. Twice, two right? times. All right, twice, all right. Eric and Lisa Raspberry and their family have uh, moved from Virginia to be with us, and so I'm going to ask Eric to come on up. Eric is going to be our new student pastor. Would you welcome Eric and Lisa this morning? We, uh, we are super excited that you all are here. We've been praying. You know, Caleb, uh, Caleb York went to plant a church, our, our former student pastor. He, he went up to uh, Columbus, Ohio. He moved already. And we've been praying really since about December here about what God's going to be doing in our youth ministry, what's the next step. And uh, we just kept seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord. And then through a number of connections and a number of people that I knew, several people said, you got to talk to this guy. And then those same people said that he got to talk to us. And so we just saw the Lord leading, and we're so glad that he's here. Let's welcome uh, Eric and Lisa and their family. Introduce yourselves here today. Well, it really is great to be here. Uh, it's, it's been quite the experience. Um, if anybody has moved, um, you know that it's the closest thing to purgatory um, that you can imagine. Uh, it's, 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 been, it's been awesome uh, for some of us. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been great. You know, God's just shown himself to be fully in this process. And when God's in the middle of something, you just want to get on board with it. And so we're excited about what God has next for us here, uh, for the church as a whole, uh, for the students. Uh, God, I believe, is about to do something that uh, this is just going to blow us all away. And so we're excited to be here. I want to introduce you to some of my favorite people in the world. This is my wife, Lisa. Uh, she's uh, better than me at everything. I, I'm just taller than her, which is fine. Um, and then this is our, our oldest. This is Cohen. Can you say hey? Hi. Yeah. Now, way to go, buddy. Um, you're a superhero, right? Right. Right. Okay, I don't know if you... Okay, this is our, our four-year-old in a week. This is Kyla. Can you say hi? Hi. There we go. And then, of course, we have Kenna. Do you want to say anything at all? Strong, silent type is pretty much what it boils down to. She's living the dream. But um, I just wanted to pray real quick, uh, and then we'll, we'll keep moving forward. Heavenly Father, you're so good, and we're so thankful that you woke us up this morning uh, so that we could be um, together in your presence, God. I pray that you would just do a work that can only be described as a move of God. Thank you that we get to be a part of your story. 
Lord, I pray that you would just strip everything away that could distract us from being fully engaged this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move, that you would heal and restore and make new like only you can do. We thank you in advance, Lord Jesus, and pray this in your name. Amen. Let's welcome them again. God bless you.
differently than we just sang. We love you, Father. We praise you. And ask that you might reveal just a little bit more of yourself as we hear your word. Soften our hearts. We love you in Jesus' name. actually wrapping up our series here, Hashtag Goals. I hope that it's been beneficial for your life this summer that uh, you've gone home and you've been able to process some of the things that God's trying to grow in us. You know, typically when you're looking at goals, you, you, you look at goals in January, but uh, we decided to take a look at the goals of, uh, of the fruit of the Spirit because these are goals that, that, these are things that God produces in you. So goals, you know, when you think of goals, you typically think of something that, that you have to perform, that you have to be better at, right? Well, we've been looking at these because they're, they're true goals because God's going to do the work. And it takes the pressure off of you. You, you, you get to participate. You're, you're an active participant in his process. We talked about pulling the weeds. We talked about all that different stuff like that. But God, in the end, is the one who produces this fruit. So if you would look at the screen with me, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Let's read this together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now this morning, we, we, you know, we've, we've looked at these uh, one by one over the last nine weeks actually, and uh, today we're, we're ending the series with self-control, and that does not mean that this is the least. Just because it's the last on the list does not make it the least. As a matter of fact, they're all connected, really. Love and self-control are connected. Joy and self-control are connected. Patience and self-control are connected. Patience and, and love is connected. Love and joy is connected. So this is the fruit of the Spirit. And remember, it's, again, God's producing this. But as we look at self-control, I want you to see a video here. Watch this video of what most people think of when they think of self-control. Okay, so here's the deal. There's a marshmallow. You can either wait, and I'll bring you back another one, so you can have two, or you can eat it now. So you can eat it now, or you can wait, and I'll bring you back two, okay? Okay, I'll be back. Okay, so I have one marshmallow for each of you. Okay, one. And here's the deal. You can either eat it now, or you can wait till I get back, and you can have two. Okay? okay? So eat it now or wait till I get back and you can have two. And I'll be back in a little bit. If we wait, we, 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 we'll, you'll get us two? Yep, if you wait, you'll get two. Or you can eat it now, whichever you want. Okay? I'll be back in a little bit. I'm going to wait. 
We're gonna eat it. It's a fancy pancake. But we're still not gonna get to. But if you wait until she gets back, she'll give you two. She still won't give you two because you ate it. So I love it. And I didn't eat a single bite of mine. So go show her, okay? Okay, so self-control, self-control. How many of us think of ourselves like one of those kids? I would be the one that, like the last girl, she just took it and kept going as I didn't even get the directions. <clears throat> so we, we think of different people with different levels of self-control and willpower. So self-control and willpower, willpower is not self-control. I'm going to give you a, a biblical uh, view of self-control this morning that is far greater than any willpower you've ever been heard of in your life. You see, willpower says, I can't do good enough. You can do better. Do this for yourself. Oh, I've heard that all my life. And I think you have too. And you just, you, you want to you, you say, all right, I, I want something bigger here. Self-control grows out of, all right? Now, this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control grows out of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It is all connected, and it is the fruit of God. So what I want to encourage you, I want to, I want to draw a picture for you this morning of the fruit that, that God wants to produce in your life, and he wants you to cooperate with him as he produces this in your life. Uh, you know what? It's, you know, sometimes we look at the, the, there's all kind of things that we have to be, that we struggle with self-control over. There's, uh, we struggle with self-control over our emotions, self-control over our tongue over habits, over relationships, anything that you can think of, uh, your, your pride, pride can get out of control. And so we have, to, we have to deal with all these areas of our life. We have to realize that, okay, in them, this word self-control comes from a Greek word, uh, egratia, and it means, it's the idea of power and ego. Ego, all right, the ego's in there, the self and power, control. So we see this two concept together, that you become the Lord mastery over yourself. In other words, that you can control your behavior. So, so there, is, there is a degree that God wants you to participate in your Christian life. He died on the cross, he paid for your sin, and he has given you, he's produced this fruit in your life. But if we just go out and try to do it on pure willpower, we fail. 
and you will not get very far. You might get a month, you might get two months, you might get two years. But eventually we fail, and, and, and it's like we, we're, we're left depressed. We're left overwhelmed. You see, uh, in the biblical times, whenever this book, whenever Galatians was written, there was a, a philosophy running around among the Greeks that was known as the Stoics. And the Stoic philosophy is this. You can do better. You can, you can endure the hardship. Just dig down deep and pull yourself up. Pull those bootstraps up. You can reach down deep and you can do this. And we hear that a lot today, don't we? It's a very stoic mentality. Well, just put your, put your own needs aside and do this. And, and we're looking for this. And it's like, man, I can do this. And then you even hear, do it for yourself. That's a whole nother thing. Pull your bootstraps up. And I, if I can just share with you that that is, it's okay. But it's, God's got something far deeper than that. You see, if I'm just pulling up my own bootstraps, I don't have much to pull. I, only, I have limited resources. I go down. If I'm going down deep inside of myself to pull something up or pull something out, it is like, man, there's nothing there. But if the fruit of the Spirit is producing this, it is really exciting because now I am not just trying to perform to a bunch of rules and regulations because Christianity was never meant to be a bunch of rules and regulations. It was all about the cross. It's all about this greater vision. <clears throat> the only way that you, can get, that you can be free and independent in that day, the Greeks saw that, saw that self-control was the only way to be free and independent was to have self-control. You've heard statements like, never let them see you sweat. You've heard that, right? That's a statement of self-control. In other words, if you're in control of the situation, they don't know that you're having a problem, they don't know that you're, you're afraid, you're going to be able to dominate and you're going to be okay. Another term of self-control, sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Names will never hurt me, right? And we found that that wasn't true. But anyhow, names do hurt pretty bad. But anyhow, you, you, you heard that. Why? That was a term of self-control. In other words, if you can control the situation, don't you dare cry. Don't, don't let them see you cry. Right? You're in control. There was, a, there was, a, there was a, the, the Stoics. They went down deep, and they believed in control. They would, they would control their temper. They would control sex, control food, control every area of their life. They believed in, the, in control for the sake of control. And so as they were going through, through this life, it was just it was stoic. You know, when you think of the word stoic, because they, they were just trying to be in control and trying to perform. Now, there, there was another group called the Epicureans. And the Epicureans were known for just living by their pleasures. They just lived to their pleasure. What, if it felt good, do it. And we kind of see a lot of that today too, don't we? We live in a culture, you know, if it feels good, do it. Uh, and, uh, and so let me just share with you a little bit of what, what I call, uh, it's just kind of what you can look through history, what happens. Many times you will see a family, maybe a person comes to Christ, they're first generation Christians, and they are just so excited about following Jesus. Uh, they, they, they remember the night and day difference that God made in their life, and then all of a sudden God started to change their life, and there were things that they didn't do anymore. Places that they didn't go anymore. Things that they didn't say anymore. And it was like, wow. Uh, they, they made this big change because self-control, the fruit of the Spirit came in, and self-control took over, and they, they, were run, they were living a life, and there were certain things that they didn't do anymore out of love for Jesus. It was, it was directly connected to this passionate, tight, intimate relationship with Jesus. Well, a couple generations later, we see in their same family line sometimes, you'll see that a stoic mentality shows up. All of a sudden, people just do right. 
And, they, and it's like, all right, well, we don't do that. We don't do this. And we do this. And it's a very stoic. They go down. They pull down from deep within. And it's like they are just conforming to a bunch of rules because they are conforming to a bunch of rules. And they don't have this connection to Jesus. Or at least if they do, it didn't really get translated out. You just see they got more hung up on what I shouldn't do or, the, or what I should do in, in performance. And then a few, few years later, the kids, of those, the, the, the kids of that generation, they become Epicureans. And they say, wow, look, my parents, all they did was drag me to church. They dragged me to church. And I'm telling you, I ain't ever going to church again, right? And they say, well, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to do whatever I want. I don't have to follow their rules anymore. I'm on my own. I get to do my own thing. And, uh, and, and pleasure becomes the number one. Why? Because as, as we went from, the, we went from the, the very beginning where a family said, man, I am so connected to Jesus and God's made these changes and I'm not going out and doing these things anymore because I'm so in love with Jesus. The next step was, well, you know, this is what we're supposed to do. This is what's right. And then the next step is, forget it. And they're wandering without any direction. They're wandering hopeless. They're aimless. And not only do they, yeah, I mean, so, so if you don't have a connection to God, why go out and live a good life? Why have any self-control if you have no, direct, no, no connection to God? And then what happens is a while after that, the next generation after that, their kids, they come back and they say, man, I don't want to be like my parents. My parents had no direction. And then they start coming back to God. And so wherever you're at, you may, be, you may be in any one of those gamuts this morning. I want to take and I want to give you the Jesus aspect, the biblical aspect of self-control because it's not just performance to a bunch of rules. Um, today, I want you to think about this here, that, that you just can't buck it up. You just, can't, um, you just can't go down and do this on your own. Those are short-term, they're very limited, but if you fall in love with Jesus, he'll produce this fruit in your life, and the closer you get to him, the closer that you'll see his transformation of your character, and your character, and your thoughts, and then your thoughts and your character change, and then your actions change. Uh, that's, see, for too long, we've gone after the action. God says, I'm not after the action, I'm after your heart. So let's come over here to your heart. So self-control. I'm going to just go back a few verses in Galatians chapter 5. If you have your Bible, you can look it up there. It's not on the screen, but I'm just going to read it to you here. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. So before he got to the fruit, to the fruit of the Spirit, he gives this, this list of the acts of the sinful nature. We all have the sinful nature. And so he says this, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality impurity, and debauchery. Uh, debauchery is just sensual activity, just like overboard, like pornographies, all those type of things. You, you can put it all in there and just perversions of sex. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And as we look at that, we look at this list and we find, wow, there's, a, there's this list here that Paul gives us. And, uh, and it wasn't meant to be inclusive, folks. That's why he says, and the like. So here we go. Sexual immorality. We understand that. 
Impurity, we understand that. Uh, idolatry. You say, well, I don't worship any idols. Well, has there ever been a time that you've put something in God's place? Maybe your career. Maybe your family. You put anything else in the place of God. Idolatry. Uh, witchcraft. Witchcraft. You know the, the Greek word for witchcraft is pharmakeia. It's where we get the word pharmacy. So some believe this also includes drug abuse, drug use. Okay? So uh, whenever witchcraft involves sorcery. Uh, pharmacia, we open up our minds when you're on a drug and somebody else is controlling you. Look at how evil that is and how that opens up. This is what our, our flesh produces. And so some of you are saying, well, I'm not on drugs and I'm not drunkenness. Do you ever have any hatred? Do you have any discord? Discord and dissensions? You ever you ever do that? You, it's one thing to disagree. It's another thing to make a discord. Because whenever you just make a division, you just, you just get everybody mad and you start, to, and here's what you do, you start to make sides. Well, did you hear? Da, 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 da. Did you hear? Did you, did you hear? And what happens is we make sides. That, see, this is the work of our flesh. Dissension. Discord. Um, fits of rage. I don't know any Christians that have problems with fits of rage, except for the pastor, okay? Fits of rage. By golly, I'm right. You're wrong. You're wrong, and I'm going to tell you that you're wrong, right? I tell people I have a short fuse. I don't often light it, you know? It's like, you know, fits of rage. We lose our temper. See, the, 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 word, the, the, the old word for self-control was temperance. And so temperance is, you know, we, we understand lose our temper. Temperance is, look, we are in control of this. Uh, the, the fit of rage. Selfish ambition. You ever go to church and do something for yourself? Like, I'm only doing this for what I get out of this. Or, or maybe you, you went and did something to your family. You only, you only did something for what you're getting. You know, I'll give this gift only because they gave me that gift. Or, you know, you got that, that whole thing. Selfish ambition. Envy. We've ever been jealous of anybody? Drunkenness. And the list just goes on and on and on. And it's like, wow, this is what I can produce without God. In my life, when I'm not connected to God... As stoic as I want to be, as much as I want to go pull up my own bootstraps, this is what we produce. And you know what? This produces a lot of shame, produces a lot of guilt, makes us all uncomfortable. Because every one of us has done something on this list. Now, he doesn't say, if you've ever done something on this list, you're going to hell. I just want to relieve you of that, because that's not what he says. He says, if this is the characteristic of your life, you're not really walking with Christ. That's what he's saying. He's, when, when he says that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, he's saying, you're not getting the blessings of walking with God. This is not, this is not what God has saved you to do. God has saved you from all this. Aren't you thankful for that? God has saved you from all that. God has saved you from sexual immorality. Thank God. See, love affects sexual immorality. Joy, peace, that all affects sexual immorality. I, I don't have to be sexually immoral because I have something greater in life. It's, it's God. Um, impurity, debauchery. I don't have to be enslaved to habits. I don't have to go down this path because there's something greater in my life. Yeah, look what he says in verse 24. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. In other words, we have taken these passions, our sinful nature, we've taken these passions and we've nailed them to the cross. 
We've taken them and we've taken, we said, you know what? I don't want to go there anymore. And, you know, it's not because God doesn't want you to not have fun, folks. Let me tell you, drunkenness is not fun the day after. There's nothing fun about that, right? Um, sexual immorality is fun for a few moments. The, the relationships that it destroys your life. Wow, God says, I don't want, you to, I don't want your relationships destroyed. destroyed. Do, do you see this? Uh, impurities, idolatry, witchcraft, opening up the drugs, opening up the sorceries, all this stuff. He says, this stuff here will destroy your life. Being selfish. Have you ever met a selfish person? Selfish people are the most unhappy people in the world. Absolutely. And I get around people from time to time. And, and the only thing they can think about is themselves and how the whole world infects, uh, impacts what they're doing and this and that. And when you, when you are around somebody who's selfish and from, all, from time to time, we struggle with that. Somebody who's jealous all the time, we should be happy when somebody else excels. When somebody else in, our, in, in your family or in your community gets the promotion, even though you didn't at your company, you don't sit there and beat yourself up. You say, man, look what God did in their life and rejoice with them because God is doing this. And so this is all, here, here's what happens. Whenever we are, when, whenever we, we have this here, we have put this at the center. This is what we put at the center right here. All of these, that the works of the flesh, is when the self is at the center. But God wants to take us and take the self to no longer be the center. He wants to give you something higher. It's not something, you don't do this, you don't have self-control for yourself. You have self-control for something greater. There's a greater cause. God has given you a greater purpose in your life. Luke eleven twenty four. Jesus told a, uh, a story. He said this. He said, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through an arid place seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house that I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. And then it goes and takes over. To, uh, then it takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself and goes in there and lives. And there they live. The final condition of that man is worse than the first. And what he's saying here is when you try to do this on your own, when you go and try to clean house on your own, you end up worse. Because it's short-lived. Even a demon knows he can run away from a guy and come back and bring, cause more trouble when he's on his own. But when Jesus is involved, that demon will never come back. That demon is running. That demon is afraid because there's power in the name of Jesus. It's more than something we sing about on Sunday, folks. We sing about the power of the name, the beautiful name. I want you to sing about the beautiful name of Jesus, the power in the name every day at work because we have this stuff to deal with. And man, this stuff comes up all, all the time, over and over and over. So we have the self to deal with. We've got to take the self out of there. Self-control comes when you want something more than yourself. Did you catch that? Self-control comes when you want something more than yourself. So it's not about yourself. You don't go down and do this for yourself. Self-control out of the Bible, uh, self-control in the Bible is not about rules and restrictions. It is about mastering our emotions rather than our emotions mastering us. 
Unlike self-help or Stoics, there is a biblical way to understand ourselves and how we behave that can help us overcome addictions, overcome the, the, the works of the flesh, and truly be free. I'm going to give you three insights that are on the back of your bulletin. You can fill them in. Number one is that self-control, biblical self-control, is being able to say no so that you can say yes. There is an element of saying no. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit. In order to grow fruit, you've got to pull some weeds, right? So you go in, you, you, you do some weed pulling. But it's not, not like, yeah, I've arrived because I pulled weeds. You pull the weeds in order that you can say yes. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 23, the Apostle Paul says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. He says, when I'm with the weak, I know how to deal with the weak. When I'm with the poor, I know how to deal with the poor. When I'm with the strong, I know how to deal with the strong. When I'm with the, with the gentle, a non-Jewish person in that day, he knew how to be non-Jewish. And when he was with Jewish people, he knew how to be like the Jews. And he, uh, he honored the customs of the Jews. So he, he would never come over and have a ham sandwich with a Jewish friend. Why? Because it offended his Jewish friend. Even though they, didn't, they were free. Even though God freed them. He said, I'm not going to go do that over there. And then when I'm with the, when I'm with the Greeks, I'm not going to worry about the ham roll. Because they don't, they don't understand the ham thing. I'm just going to bring them to Jesus. And he said, I do all this. I do all this so that, so that I can, for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. You see, he nailed it to the cross. It's for the sake of the cross, for the sake of what Jesus has done. Verse 24, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Everybody competes, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. There's why to have self-control, folks. See, we say no. There are things that we say no to so that we can say yes. And, you know, it's like, like a, a runner, somebody, somebody who, uh, who prepares for the, uh, for the Olympics, right? There's things that they don't do. I don't think Olympic athletes have ice cream every night after dinner. I just really don't think that that's something that they do, right? Why? Because they have a goal. They have a prize that they're going after. And it's not like, they're not saying, woe is me, I don't ever eat ice cream, or whatever it is that they do, right? Whatever the regime that they do, they're doing it because they see something greater. I I want you to think about this, because he says, I do not run, verse 26, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating there. See, there's the Epicurean. He says, I'm not like the Epicureans. I'm not... I, I have a purpose in my life. I'm not just running so I can run and feel good at the end of the race. I'm running like a man who has a target. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that I have, after I have preached to others, I, will, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. If you go over in the, in the book of Genesis, you see the very first temptation. Do you know what the, the issue of self-control is? We question whether God is good. We question whether God is good. Here it is. Now the serpent was more crafty. Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And here's what happened. Right there he tempted her with the character of God. He said, did God say, did God really say you should not eat from the tree in the garden? He didn't challenge God's power. 
He didn't challenge God's existence. He challenged God's goodness. And for you and for me, that's exactly where all these things come into play. We are challenged with God's goodness. We know we will all testify that he is alive. We will all testify that we will praise him. But we will go into this. You go into sexual immorality? Well, you don't understand. I just have to have my needs met. No, God is good. And God says, I'll meet those needs inside of your own relationships. Impurity, and I'll meet them inside of, inside of Christ. Impurity, idolatry. Uh, you look here, selfishness. I need to have my own, but you've got to understand. Fits of rage, you don't understand. I was right, they're wrong, and they should know it. I'm going to make them pay for it. God says, you don't got to go there. This is like putting the handcuffs on. He says, I want you to take the handcuffs off, and I'm going to free you. So t- here's, here's the problem. We put, you, put, us in the, put ourself in the center there. And so here she is. Herself is in the center. And she's saying, well, maybe God's not really good. Look at verse 2. Uh, Eve says, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, now check this out, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Now check out what happened there. She fell for the trick that God's not good. Because she said right there, God never said you shouldn't touch it. He said, don't eat of it. And she said, this is, here's, here's the attitude of the verse. She goes, he said we shouldn't eat it or even touch it. And we went into this thing that God's not good. And it was like that. And right there, I think she fell before she ever took a bite of the fruit. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows when you eat it, eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then their eyes were both opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And you see what happens? Shame. Guilt. That's what the works of the flesh produce. Secondly, this morning, you've got to be able to sell. Self-control is being able to say yes so that you can say no. You see, we've got to move ourself off the center. And this is what Christ wants to be the center of your life right here. Okay? You will not understand life until this is at the center of your life. When you place Jesus at the center of your life, when you open your heart, last week we talked about John 10.10, God wants you to have life, not follow a bunch of rules. And he'll produce the control. He'll produce the self-control that you need. But I think for many of us this morning, we have this at the center. We keep going back to the self. We keep saying, what's in it for me? We, We inherently, we've been trained to do that. Every action that we do, every sin boils down. You can go back to all the sin that you struggle with in your life. It goes right back there to the self. Put Christ at the center. I want you this morning to say yes to Jesus. Because when you say yes to Jesus, then you can say no. It's like the runner, he's running. Those athletes are running and they're looking at the prize. Paul said, look, everyone competes for a prize. But I compete for the prize that is eternal. Let's run like there's a prize. In other words, let's get into Christian life. We are forgiven. But God has given you this ability. He's producing self-control in you so that you don't have to go there anymore. You don't have to put on the shackles. 
Listen, you go back to every sin, self, you're trying to make yourself feel better. I'm, I, I just need this. If I just have this. And it's like, wow, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I want to go there because I think I can provide for myself. But God, you said you'll provide for me way better than I could ever provide for myself. The last point in your notes this morning is that the Holy Spirit provides the power. He is the one that provides the power. And he will provide it for you. Oh, you just look through the scripture. You see so much about God's power. The example of Jesus alone. Let us fix our eyes. Hebrews 12, 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you realize that Jesus went to the cross? And that was self-control. Right there. He didn't get sidetracked. He could have said, well, I'm going to feed 5,000 more people. He could have done a whole lot more, a whole lot of other things that were good, right? He went right to the cross. Scripture says he was like a lamb before the slaughter. Proverbs 25, 28, as we wrap up and prepare for communion. And gentlemen, if you're serving communion, you may go prepare to serve the congregation at this time. Proverbs 25, verse 28 says... Like a city without walls is a man without self-control. Like a city without walls is a man without self-control. Nehemiah. You go read the book of Nehemiah. There was, a, there was a city without walls. It was Jerusalem. And he felt God calling him to go build the walls around Jerusalem. Because he knew without walls, the armies would come in. Robbers would come in. Thieves would come in and take everything that they had. And so this morning, I want to invite you to go home and, and ask God to help you build the walls. Gentlemen, you may now serve the congregation at this time. And as they have come forward, I'm going to ask everyone to retain the bread till everyone has been served. Folks, the, the, the book of 1 Corinthians tells us to examine ourselves. As we take communion this morning, this is for those that are believers. You say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've opened my heart and I'm trusting him. And so I invite you to join us to take that this morning. But in 1 Corinthians, he tells us to examine ourselves, And that verse is really written towards a believer. It's written for a believer to say, look, um, am I walking according to how God wants me to walk? Or have I gone back and walking according to the works of the flesh? 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 11 we see these words here the apostle paul telling us to examine ourselves i want to ask you to examine yourself this morning as you come before the lord and and you hold the bread in your hand and you remember that this bread was was given for you so that you might have eternal life i uh the 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 body it was his body that was given for you this bread is just a symbol i want you just to take a moment and respond to him. So just as the music's quiet, soft this morning, would you just close your eyes? Would you examine your life and say, God, where am I at with you? God, I have sin I need to confess. And just confess that sin before him this morning. This is part of our worship time this morning. Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on that night when he had be, was betrayed, he took the bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do in remembrance of me. Father God, we thank you for this bread as a symbol of your body that was broken for us on that cross. We thank you. Thank you for allowing us to worship you in this way. Thank you for this bread. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As the cup comes your way, I'd like to ask everyone to retain the cup till everyone has been served. Gentlemen, you may now serve the congregation. And as you hold that, just remember, Jesus said, This, this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you gather. So today, we're, we're, we've gathered together and we, we've, we're celebrating that we no longer are under the law. God is no longer looking at our sin. He's looking at the cross. And so he's asked you to open your heart this morning and trust him. Maybe you've been walking according to the flesh lately. Maybe self-control, maybe love, maybe joy, maybe peace. Maybe some of these things have been missing. Here it is, the new covenant in, his, in the blood of Christ. This juice is representative of his blood this morning as, uh, as we partake together. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we just thank you for the, the honor that we have to, to celebrate the, the love of God. Thank you for how you loved us, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that as, as we take this juice, Lord, this morning, symbolic of your blood, that we will walk out of here on fire to live for you, to watch you produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Lord, do what you said only you could do in our lives. In your name we pray.
here this morning. We're thankful that you're here. Let's give our God a hand. We worship him. We praise him this morning. I want you to meet Eric and Lisa, our new student ministries pastor. All right, Eric, Eric Raspberry and his wife, Lisa. They'll be floating around the foyer. Please give them a hug and uh, welcome, them, welcome them Pittsburgh style, all right? God bless you. You are dismissed. Thank you so much.